I need to learn so how to use and that. And I formatted, I formatted your card, so there's something should, for you. This should be the only thing on it now. <laughs> cool, cool. It's little, uh, little things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Don, just FYI, we got a new little thing to record on. Why? Let's hope it works. No, it did. We already, oh. <clears throat> we already and I tested it, it yesterday. Yeah. We're now okay, that was really specific. You have a new little, little thing to record on. Oh, we have a. Case that has data. Instead of, instead of having to have a whole computer set up, now it's just a digital recorder. Yeah, we're getting high tech here. Well, you want to jump right into a countdown? Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan. or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from a big giant concrete airmail arrow north of Barstow, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 172. I'm Cash. The Red Baron died about 100 years ago last week. He actually was a baron. Huh. I'm Scott. Respect your elders. They graduated high school without Google or Wikipedia. Oh. The horror. That was called an encyclopedia. This is Tom. Cash is the Lieutenant Stephen Hawk to my Adrian Cronauer. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm insulted. Scott, Scott got it. <laughs> I was just la- laughing at the awkward silence. This is Greg, the uh, visiting comic guy. I was given a post-it note because I'm awfully unprepared for this. So let's see. I hate when people ask me what I'm doing tomorrow. I didn't even... I don't even know what I'm doing right now. That's pretty apt. That describes me very well. And I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn. Flight waitresses, I think they call them flight attendants now, can't serve you peanuts. But in 1918, you were lucky if you had a nice pair of goggles to protect you from bugs and oil. Speaking of bugs in your goggles, the post office just released a pair of stamps for for the 100-year anniversary of the airmail service. The first delivery of mail from an airplane is often credited to Earl Ovington after he dropped a sack of letters and postcards from an airplane from 500 feet, and and it was a success because he didn't kill anyone. That was way back in 1911. The U.S. Postal Service says it started airmail service in 1918 with a small group of Army pilots initiating the world's first regularly scheduled airmail service, which was in 
May of 1918 from Washington, D.C., with a stop in Philadelphia and ending in New York. However, this isn't entirely true, as they were not actually all Army pilots as the war was still going on in May of 1918. As a side note, the U.S. Military Flying Corps had only been going since April of 1917, which was when the 94th Aero Squadron was created, which was Eddie Rickenbacker's unit, but more on that later. Also, the United States Post Office Department didn't actually take charge of the airmail service until later that summer on August 12th of 1918, but why ruin a good story? I think we're a little late for that. <laughs> to make airmail happen, the Postal Service also created lighted airfields and erected hundreds of airmail guide beacons like you see on Scott number C-11, and also made huge concrete arrows to tell the pilot which way to go. Those are funny. Oh, so that's the concrete arrow joke. I was just, you know, giggling along with that. <laughs> completely <laughs> ignorant. With these, by 1924, regularly scheduled transcontinental flying was possible, day and night, with only a few planes crashing into mountains. Oh, just a few. So what do you think of the new stamps? I think they're cool. I think, I think it's a good job. Uh, much better than what we normally see coming out these days. So, wait, wait, these are new stamps? Yeah. These are new stamps. They yes. just came out. This retro-looking stamp, is they, they actually look engraved? Yes. Yeah. They are. Well, yeah, cool. be why they look that way. That's true. So, the established 1918 is fake? No, actually, the... It's not really real. <laughs> no. Sort of fake. What happened is... Um, fake news! The, <laughs> the post office department... Put it on Facebook. ...actually... Uh, they did test flights and experimental flights before 1918 and early 1918. In May of 1918, they had a. They decided to say, okay, this is going to be uh, a regular route. We're going to do it on a schedule. And so they got these pilots to volunteer to carry the mail. And they had pilots stationed in Philadelphia, New York, and Washington. And they would fly up and down the East Coast and deliver the mail on a regular schedule. And uh, so on May 15th, uh, pilots left from the different points to their destination. And the funny story is that from the Washington point of departure, the pilot left, but then he was um, following the railroad and he took the wrong railroad spur and actually went south instead of north on his way to New York. Well, 20 miles south of Washington, he crashed. So what did they do? They loaded the plane and the mail onto a, a, a train, and they sent it back to Washington, and he tried again the next day. Now, the Washington and Philadelphia flights went off without a hitch but the Washington flight was actually delayed. And they actually, what they did is they added more mail to that second flight. So first day... So they overloaded him? <laughs> so can you so, collect this this old plane train mail? Like yeah. a stamp from the plane train crash? <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. Obviously, oh, if, the plane, if the train crashed too? Oh, just so epic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's, that's one of the neat things about uh, the first day of airmail and uh i'm sure this guy caught a lot of crap for it too. that's just so rad <laughs> my stamp finally got there after a plane <laughs> crash and a train ride but so <laughs> so you can actually get first day flight covers from washington dated 
on the 15th, and those are the ones that were in the crash. And the ones ah, that are dated cool. on the 16th are the ones that were added on the on the next day on the flight. Oh, that'd be a cool yeah, yeah. collect both. So that's cool. But but that that just goes to show that that these pilots. Uh, navigation was very rudimentary, and they basically had fly, had to fly low enough to the ground so that they could see landmarks to get dead to the destination. Huh? Right. Well, dead so, reckoning refers to stars. They well, they had compasses, but uh, to really know where you were going, you really had to be uh, watching ground-based landmarks, and that's <laughs> that's where these beacons and large concrete arrows came in is so that the pilots over these long distances could see these things from so, up in the air. Wait, 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 wait. So these concrete arrows are like the Nazca lines. You scroll, can only see them from flying scroll, up. Scroll down. Pretty much. Yeah, scroll down, Scott. There's we'll pictures of them. Yeah, we, there are. They were actually I was like a Discovery oh, or great. History Channel, one of those things that had like the what on earth kind of things. Like, what are these giant arrows or <laughs> these weird things in the ground that people are discovering? Oh, that's great. And they had no context because most of the towers and stuff have been removed from them. So nobody knows what they are than these big concrete arrows <laughs> in the middle of the desert. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, uh, you need to go to one, chip off a piece of stone, and sell it a stamp of memorabilia. <laughs> so, I'm so, always the entrepreneur there. So <laughs> Get me a pickaxe. Like on, uh, on the airmail stamp C11 that we were talking about, those beacons were generally erected in the mountains, and they had lights on them. Hence the crashing in the mountains. I get it. Yes. But the beacons were there to guide the pilots over the mountains. <laughs> to their death. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, there were lots of airmail delays based on fog and bad weather and things like that where the pilots just couldn't see their landmarks. So they'd either turn around or they'd stop or whatever, and that, that caused a lot of airmail delays in the early days. So you say, you're saying there's some documentary or something showing all these little stamp or these arrow yeah, locations? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's one of those shows that... Um, History's Mysteries, I think. Like History's History's Museum, yeah. maybe that one? Yeah, I think it was History's it's one, Mysteries. It's one of those, it's one of those programs, and in, in one of the episodes, these airmail beacons are actually one of the things that's... Or that the they arrows. talk about. Yeah, they're the standing arrows. on top of this arrow going, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> Tell well, the aliens some, where to attack. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what some of the people were doing. They were like, uh... That's why I said Nazca lines, you know, yeah, uh, in exactly. Peru. Right, you can only see them from the air. Yeah. And that's exactly... I mean, these they're big enough. I mean, you could stand on them and figure out what they are eventually if you walked from one end to the other. I mean, obviously, they're pretty big. But it took people a while, and it's like... What are these from? And why are they here? They're in the middle of the desert with no context anymore. <laughs> yeah, they, because they were in for the plane middle, navigation. Yeah, in the middle of the desert, you don't have you know stations or anything. You're flying over 800 miles and nothing, and you just want to get through it. Yeah, they don't want to put be, you know run power lines and beacons out there. It, it constantly amazes me how much stamps have actually affected this country. Just stamps. I mean, literally, it's crazy. It probably innovated air flight innovated uh, rail transportation, everything. And now there's big gold concrete pointers in the middle of the desert. Yeah. I'm going to see one someday. I've always, I like that crap. I've Oops. been to Area 51. It's there. Oh, yeah. So is Area 52. I went up to the back gate. You there, know, there I, I ate at the there's little an area at 48 all the way to, I think, 64. Yeah, I think it just referred to the area yeah. uh, they were naming. But I, I drove up to Wait, the back Area gate. 51 refers to an area? Yeah. Well, uh, a geographical <laughs> area. There are like... 
50, 49, whatever. Yeah. But, um, well, come on, we're in Vegas now. They have the Janet flights that leave every day. That's, yep, r- that's the right. The stripe planes. I, I drove up to the back gate, and the guard got out with his big gun, and I drove away. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. <laughs> yep. You're lucky you even got to the gate. No, I figured they would have intercepted you further out. Oh, than no, that. they knew I was there. I, it's creepy. There's There literally are trucks like parked in the bush and little sensors on the side of the road. I got over and kicked one rock little geo thing over. Thought I was going to get arrested. It was just some geocaching thing. Uh, yeah, had a fun time. But I'm, I borrowed my friend's car, so his license and all that are. <laughs> oh. yeah, it wasn't me. I so was he's smart. on the do not fly yeah. list. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't heard from him in a while. I wonder what happened to him. <laughs> so well, that's speaking. what you do to your friends. <laughs> hmm. uh, Maybe I better rethink this. <laughs> yeah, I'm horrible. <laughs> hey, so can talking, I borrow your car? <laughs> so talking about innovations, one thing that Scott wanted to talk about was the Zeppelin flights. Ooh. Well, yeah, that was a little bit later, obviously. Um. I thought Zeppelin tech was before airplane. Zeppelin's was uh, early pre World War Two. Um, no, Zeppelin's th- this was, was pre World War One. They they had the bombing raids on uh, London in World War One yeah. with the Zeppelin's well, because yeah, but the, the biplanes couldn't fly up high enough to attack them. But the Zeppelin's didn't really come into use for passenger and cargo uh, okay. oh, yeah. until okay. uh, between the between the two right. World Wars. Right. And uh, the yeah the tech was there, but obviously wasn't used for that. So yeah, you had balloon mail back in the eighteen sixties or eighteen late sixties or what? early seventies. Uh, I believe it was eighteen seventies. Yeah, that'd be tough balloons, um, right? Uh, they they the couldn't siege, really guide the siege them. of Paris. Yep, and they sent up balloons, and then they over the over the siege forces, and then they would drop the mail, and uh-huh. then it would be picked up and delivered from there. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, there's various other things that have been tried, like rocket mail, <laughs> where yeah. they load it on a rocket and they shoot the rocket. <laughs> oh, yeah. rad. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess the rocket lands and you got to go pick up the pieces and, yeah. and the mail. <laughs> you know, from all of this, I think you could write a an actual movie script that was an action movie dealing with stamps. You know, like rocket mail. Come on. The, 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 they turned it into a weapon, but it was mail. <laughs> <laughs> Mail fell down. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Zeppelin's uh, interwar and uh, early World War II, when you have the the Graf Zeppelin and the and the, the other Zeppelins that the, the U.S. had five Zeppelins, uh, they were classes ZR, one, two, three, four, and five. I always thought Zeppelin was a German classification. Well, uh, it was just named after Baron von Zeppelin. Right. So that's uh, he was just the inventor of the tech. Yeah. Okay. And then well, we had blimps. Everybody had blimps during World War Two, or excuse yeah. me, World War One. Right. Zeppelin had everywhere. a hard internal frame. That Correct. was the difference. Yeah. A rigid frame and a motor to push it. Yeah, and they called a blimp a blimp because when you poked it, it made the sound bloop. Ah. That's how it got the name. <laughs> I heard that uh, the Germans couldn't get helium because America was the main producer of helium and we wouldn't sell it to them. And so Hence we, the Hindenburg. And so all we, blew the up, we blew up their Zeppelin just to show them who was boss. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> one, of, one of the highly sought after types of crash mail is mail that actually survived the Hindenburg explosion. Oh, yeah. I don't see how oh, anybody yeah. survived that flame. Most of it is fairly scorched. My God. How well, did anybody survive that? You just well, saw that thing blow up? The surprising thing about it, and this was off a of Discovery Channel, it went up so fast that it's sort of like uh, a gas explosion. It well, is a gas explosion. Yeah, it was a gas <laughs> explosion. Anyway, it 
hit really hot and really fast and destroyed a lot of stuff. But a lot of the stuff was just like scorched. It got really hot, but it didn't hit flame. Oh, I get it. Yeah. And so there, you, you can still go on and buy pieces of the Hindenburg on eBay and stuff like that. That's cool. Well, they yeah. are they are generally a little pricey, though. Yeah. All I can remember is the newscaster saying that one word that's infamous now. The hu- oh, the humanity. Yeah. <laughs> Poor bastard. He was losing it live. Was that live back then? Who knows? Well, we, no. I used to have that on the podcast at the end. Oh, yeah? Talking about our uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, the humanity. <laughs> so listen to an early episode to hear Cash's humor. Yeah, I retired those. <laughs> So anyway, interesting start to airmail. Yeah, so getting back to the Graf Zeppelin stamps, you were talking about uh, how we had some. We also issued a, uh, a set of three stamps plus one more for the Chicago World's Fair. Oh, they're cool looking. Yeah. Absolutely. They're sort of the moniker of whether you're an advanced collector or not. Yeah, but, you know, the U.S. Zeppelin stamps for a long time languished because uh, they were too expensive for the average collector to afford and a lot of them were destroyed but they were available at nominal value for many 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 years and now they're not rare uh, they're just expensive yeah i mean open up any stamp auction catalog and you're likely to see anywhere from a couple to a dozen sets or more in my opinion though if you want to collect scarce or rare Used copies are you, scarcer. You, they are prop, much harder. Properly used copies are more difficult than mint copies. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Used copy. You mean canceled? Yeah, canceled. Yes. Actually, never, heard the, never heard the word copy before. Why'd you well, call it copy? Oh. No, just example instead. Oh, of, okay. Yeah. By the way, am I accurate in saying that that's not well-centered? That is not. That is okay-centered. It's okay-centering. <laughs> now, <laughs> look at me. Another interesting, another interesting fact is the... $2.60 value has been forged. Uh-huh. So that's an, also another uh, tidbit of information. That, that one there is a forgery? No, that one there on the screen that we are looking at is genuine. Oh, okay. Uh, but yes, there is a forgery of the $2.60 out there. Uh, that is actually quite rare. And the, although not worth as much as a genuine stamp it still has a hefty value if you can find one yeah i was actually going to ask about forgery before this podcast started did was forgery an active thing on stamps throughout the word the, the years it still, still is today it still it is. is very much so today yeah really yeah oh yeah millions almost more today i think now is it, it like the, the secret service they the uh a forgery is claimed and destroyed so it sounds like you can collect forgeries uh well the, ca- yeah, the catalog lists they don't come counterfeits ta- if they don't come and take them away from you I just I, want to start my new collection of all forgeries. Oh, we we got. Is it, it illegal to own? Then then I totally want it. Yeah. Well, they will con- <laughs> they will confiscate them if if they can get through my barricaded front door. Yeah, Greg. Yes. I, I have a new stamp for you for your collection. Oh, what's that? There was a celebrating the century stamp for the Cosby Show. Awesome. So you can have a Bill Cosby stamp. Oh, so so bad. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, I'm just thinking the themes that you could create there. All the disgraced celebrities, just ho- politicians mm. that died young and horrible. Just so many cool things. 
I, I was seeing. I, I started a wiki, by the way. We're going to start. It's going to be the demented section of the wiki is going to have cool. that information in it. Yeah, another thing I saw the other day was, um, and this wasn't actually the stamp, but you know, priority envelopes? Yes. There was a priority envelope that had Lance Armstrong on it. Oh, really? <laughs> so there's another one. So you can have Bill Cosby, Lance Armstrong. Disgraced, d- disgraced uh, sports figures. Disgraced people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can have subcategories. You know, Are there any O.J. Simpson stamps out there? N- uh, no O.J. Simpson stamps. Anything with orange juice on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that wasn't a showstopper, but it sh- slowed it down a lot. No, he was scrolling, so I started to read. Uh, I don't even remember where we're at. We always go off on these tangents. Yeah, yeah, that 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 makes it difficult. Cash wanted to talk about uh, Baron von Richthofen. Oh yeah, because you know we're talking about a hundred years ago, nineteen eighteen. I uh, Brian Suits on uh, Dark Secret Place. He had a whole thing where he was talking about one hundred years ago, and again, this was last week. Uh, one hundred years ago, the death of the Red Baron. And he was talking, anybody who doesn't subscribe to or go on and listen to Dark Secret Place, you're missing out because it is a great show. What is Dark Secret Place? Oh, he is an ex-military fellow who uh, served in Iraq. Actually, he served a lot of places. He was in Kosovo and every place else. And he talks about military stuff. And so he calls it the Dark Secret Place. And uh, the Red Baron really was a baron he he was a baron and it's very interesting he and you can listen to it i'm not going to go through everything but uh one of the interesting things i thought the difference between the united states britain france and germany was the red baron started off as a cavalry person they found out machine guns and cavalry don't mix so they said give up your horse you're walking and he goes well you know this sucks and so he went into the air corps well the Air Corps of the Germans was the highest level. You had like the cavalry officers, you know, the the grand people were inside of the Air Force. And it was exactly the opposite on the British side. The dregs went into the Air Force. It's like, yeah, you know, we need people. Oh, uh, you're lousy at marching. Get over here and get in this airplane. <laughs> and so... In the German army, the Air Force was at the top, and in the British army, the Air Force, while it wasn't really at the bottom, it was close enough where you could see it. Uh, And uh, he was talking about how uh, in the German army before that, you had the cavalry officer, and then underneath the cavalry officer, you had his horse, and then underneath the horse, you had the horse's butt. Then underneath the horse's butt, you had the manure, and then underneath the manure, you had the infantry. Nice. And so that's sort of how it What flipped. an ass. <laughs> Whereas in the British, and, and they just literally said, you know, now you're not in a horse. Now you're in a, an airplane. And the Flying Circus was because they brightly colored their airplanes. Because in the beginning, they camouflaged them so that they could sneak up on the other per- people. And the Red Baron, he, he shot down 80 airplanes. You got 80 airplanes. That's not counting balloons and stuff, which they also shot. Camouflage isn't. Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, they painted their airplanes. He painted his airplane red so everybody would know he was there. And then the other people who were flying with him, because they all loved him. Everybody loved the Red Baron. Even the other side loved the Red Baron. When he crashed in France, they gave him a full 
burials, uh, ceremony, and everything. I mean, they they treated him like royalty. <laughs> but uh, so the other airplane said, we can't have, you know, everybody just aiming for him. So I'm going to paint my airplane red also. So nobody knew really where the red bearing was because all the airplanes were these gaudy colors all painted. Oh, right, okay. And so that's why they called it the Flying Circus. Well, that, and they set up tents. Oh, yeah, yeah. On various airfields as they were bounced from one area to the next so that they could keep pace with the allies and where they were needed. Yeah, because they never wanted, you know, they never wanted to get ambushed or anything. They never wanted the other side to know where they were. So they just land someplace, pitch tents, spend the night there, and then fly someplace else. And it, it's a very interesting story. If you uh, want to hear more about it, Brian Suits on Dark Secret Place. Fantastic podcast. Anything else? Don, we haven't heard much from you. Don's actually at the other end of the room. Oh, there she comes. Oh. Sounds like they've moved to nail guns in the background there. No, she yes. was <laughs> she was running across on her uh sliding across the office on the chair. <laughs> <laughs> uh anything else about airmails? Uh nice looking stamp, that's all I got. How about Bessie Coleman? One of your favorites. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. Some great airmail people. Bessie Coleman. Who who's the uh She wasn't airmail, she was a pilot. She just she did stunts and things. I thought she also carried mail. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Cash's correction. The fact that it has alliteration and you used it a lot. <laughs> it's telling. Yeah. The fact that he had his own theme song for it for a while is oh, even no. better. Really? Oh, no. Really? Oh. Right. Was well, it like the Benny Hill song? <laughs> so are we done? Are we done? I don't know. You tell me. Have we finished reading through the script? It looked yep, like it. Yeah. It looks like it. Close enough. Have a good day. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Talk to you later. Return to send up. Return to send up. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Get out of the way, please. It's burning and bursting in the flames and, and it's falling on the morning fast. And all the folks would say that this is terrible. This is the worst of the worst catastrophes in the world. Still, it's a place where it's more than 500 feet into the... Let me have your ducky. <laughs>
Oh my god, who the hell cares? Damn show here today. Damn show here today.